0: We're kicking off a new teaching series this morning, it's only two weeks long, called A Thrill of Hope. And you've uh, heard that title before, it comes from the song, O oh Holy Night. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but A Thrill of Hope. See, I love Christmas because it's when we, if you're new to Christianity, we remember the birth of Jesus, that we be, believe to be the Savior of the world. It was prophetically told hundreds of years before through Isaiah and other prophets, that his birth was going to come. And God waited for a particular moment in time to finally bring the Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One, so that he lived 33 years of life, three years of active ministry, and then he will be crucified as an atoning sacrifice for all of the wrongdoing of humankind. So that anybody in here, no matter how broken you are, how far from God you are, you could be forgiven and made right with a perfect God. And he didn't just die. He rose on the third day, overcoming the grave itself, so that anybody that professes him as Lord can live with God eternally and share an eternal life and experience the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, in your life today. And so we have a lot to celebrate that all of that is initiated, and it begins with the birth of Jesus. Turn to Luke chapter 2 in the Bible. We're going to read just a little bit of Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. You've heard this probably before if you've been around church. We're going to read a little bit of the birth of Jesus. But what we sometimes miss was that they waited for a particular moment in time. We're going to get more of this next week. But a particular moment in time where the Roman Empire actually, for the first time, there were roads uh, that were created that you could travel great distances all over the eastern part of the Roman Empire and into Rome and Italy and beyond. So that the good news of Jesus and his crucifixion and resurrection, God waited so that it could be spread pretty quickly. Isn't that kind of cool? Because if that had happened hundreds of years earlier, it would have been much more difficult for the good news of Jesus to be spread. But as it spread within a short period of time, a few hundred years, they go from 11 people and a few others to thousands and then tens and then hundreds of thousands and then millions and now today over 2 billion people at least claim faith. And Jesus. And it all begins with that birth story. Here we go. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. You ready to study God's word, church? Yeah. Says this In those days, Caesar Augustus, you've heard of him, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Everybody. That includes those in Israel, because the Romans uh, have that province. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Mary and Joseph, you know the story, are going to have to go there uh, to this place. Look at verse 4. So uh, Joseph went, also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Bethlehem was just kind of south in a rugged terrain part of the eastern part of Israel, just south of Jerusalem. They're going to travel there. And as prophetically told for hundreds of years, the birth of the Savior will happen there in Bethlehem. It goes on, verse 5, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to the firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the, uh, said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. All the people. Good news. Great joy all the people, including the socially outcast shepherds. Moving on. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, you've probably heard that story before. You've heard those verses before. I'm going to assume if you're at least somewhat familiar with Christianity. It talks about the birth of Jesus, that essentially... They, he wasn't just born. First, the God comes to Mary, this teenage girl who's betrothed to be wed to this a little bit older teenage boy, most likely. And she's told that she's been impregnated by the Holy Spirit, which you got to imagine is a pretty awkward conversation. Would you agree? Imagine going to your dad, some of you, and saying, uh, I'm really sorry, but it was actually, this, it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did this to me. And then you go to Joseph, and you have that same conversation, and Joseph, being an upstanding uh, young man, decides to uh, divorce her and not go through with it um, privately, because he knew it wasn't his. And yet, uh, in the end, God comes and tells him not to do that, and he ends up deciding to stick with it and and marry her. And so you have Mary and Joseph, who have their plans totally changed and thrown upside down. What they thought their life was going to be, the Lord had different plans. You been there? You're going to hear more about that next weekend. Then you got the uh, shepherds. They're out in the field. These are the guys that literally they don't want you living in town because you smell bad, you live with the animals, you're uneducated. You are the social outcast of society. Not many friends. No one wants to talk to you. And many of us have been there at times in our life. And then it happens a little bit later in the story, and it's not here in Luke. You have other stories of people seeking out. God and what he has for them in their life, seeking out his hope. The wise men, you know the story, they come from the east, they follow the star in the sky, they get there and they worship him and they they bring their gifts. And I don't know if you're the intellectual seeking type or you're the socially outcast person or you're the one that your plans have been thrown upside down by God, but I want to tell you that the birth of Jesus is hope for every single one of us today. It's good news for all the people, even in their brokenness. See, it's such a beautiful, incredible, amazing story, the story of the birth of Jesus, that hundreds of years ago, in the mid-1800s, so I guess it's like 150 years or so, there was actually a French priest that went to a poet and asked him to write a song. And this guy wasn't a Christian, and I guess he was kind of a, a hellion. Can I say that? Like, he was kind of bad news. Not a Christian, and he wrote this song, that we now know as called O Holy Night. And the lyrics go like this. I'm going to read a portion of it. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. And even him, not as a Christian, as he sees the story, he, he writes this after reading Luke chapter 2. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. And then here we go. A thrill of hope. Now, a thrill of hope can happen in a lot of different ways. And sometimes it's more of the hope, and sometimes it's more of the thrill. (laughs) Do you agree? I mean, think of Mary and Joseph in this take. They weren't really looking for that kind of hope. But there was a thrill of hope that came with the birth of Jesus. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Now, he may not have been a Christian, but he had a, a good way with words. Wouldn't you agree, those two words, a weary world Really do a good job of describing our society even today. We work harder and we strive more and we try and become something on our own volition. We're tired, more depressed, more anxious than any time in human history. Addicted to our phones, no real relationships, watch hours of television on demand, and yet we long for deeper human relationships and deeper relationship with God, just as the Bible tells us in the Old and New Testament. But there's a thrill of hope for a a weary world. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I think today some people are going to have a new and glorious morning. Fall on your knees, oh hear the angel voices, oh night divine, the night when Christ was born. If you are weary and you need the hope, a thrill of hope in your life, these next couple of weeks together, we're going to ask that the Lord break through in what you're facing. And we're going to get real today, and I hope that's cool. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you that all these people, I mean, we we ran out of chairs again this morning at this service, and all these people have come to hear from your word, to worship you. God, may the humans that are on the stage today get small, and may your Holy Spirit be pronounced largely in this space. We acknowledge your presence here, Lord. God, as we talk about the thrill of hope on the night that you were born, Jesus, I pray that you would speak directly to our souls and everything that we're facing. We invite you in. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Amen. Where did this guy come from? You're in for a special treat at this service. This is renowned recording artist, Ryan Allward, ladies and gentlemen. You, you may see him as our, him and his wife, Lauren, as a host of our online campus, but they do more with their lives. In fact, he's on a, a hit local radio show, Radio Theology. He was also one of the uh, original members of Straight Note Chaser, that is a gold recording artist all over the world. He's traveled all over the world. And just on Friday night, he sang this song at the Marat Theater, along with John McLaughlin and performer Dave Barnes and Matt Wertz and other people. And we get the treat To have him with us this morning, a special rendition of a couple of songs, and one of those is Oh Holy Night. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Allward.
1: I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do ya? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall in the major lift. The baffled king composing hallelujah. 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 hallelujah hallelujah i did my best it wasn't much i couldn't feel so i tried to touch i've told the truth and i didn't come to fool you and even though it all went wrong I'll. Stand before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue but Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. 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 The thrill of hope The weary world rejoices For yonder breaks A new and glorious morn Fall on your knees Oh, hear the angel voices Oh, now Divine all oh, night when Christ was born. All oh, night, divine all oh, night, all oh, night, divine. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah.
0: Wow, one more time. We thank Ryan Allward, everybody. That was amazing. I love it because those two songs together, you know, Hallelujah was not a a Christian song, but the the verse, the word means to praise God. Literally, El in Hebrew is God, and Yah is like to exclaim or praise, that they're calling you to worship and praise God. But the eerie way that the word is saying reminds me of the weary world we live in. And then the hope of when, you know, that old holy night uh, verse, a thrill of hope breaks through, the birth of Jesus changes everything. And if you're here today and you don't have that hope, today is for you. I want to tell you that today could be a new day for you. Has anybody ever got to be in the room when a child is born before? Could you imagine what that first night would have been like for Mary and Joseph? They have traveled all the way on a donkey. She's nine months pregnant, riding up this rough terrain. They get to Bethlehem. And they go, there's no room, you know the story, they have to go to the stable, which in those days was essentially a cave, where they're living in the cave with the animals, and that's where they're going to give birth to this child. It had to be in the, the dark of that night, one of the most devastating moments of going, okay God, we're these teenage kids that you forced this upon us, and here we are in a cave with the animals, how are we going to get through this? And then he's born when you're in a room, when a child is born, everything changes. I've been in the room for all four of the births of our children. Our last one, Jet, he's now four and a half. A few months uh, before the birth, Lisa, my wife, came to me. She said, I hope you're ready to deliver this child. And I was like, let's be clear. You do all of the work. I don't really do anything. I'm just like, you know, cheerleader, keep it, keep it up The good work. She goes, no, I want you to deliver it. Are you not surprised by that? Do I look like a doctor? Do you think I know how to handle babies? All I could think in my head was like this greasy watermelon coming flying out. I'm supposed to catch it. And so literally, I was like, Lisa, I can't do that. I'm not doing it. She says, you're going to do it. That's when I knew I was doing it. And this incredible thing happened. I actually got to to deliver to catch Jet when he came out. And it was one of the most beautiful moments of my life. And in that moment, everything changed. <laughs> I wasn't worried about all the stuff I was worried about before. Birth does that sort of thing. A beautiful little child being born into the world. And I think sometimes we lose the true significance of Christmas. We, we can, you know, have all the trees and the lights and we can have the presents. But if we don't have hope, the one thing that Christmas is really about If we don't have hope in our life, and we live in a weary world, would you agree? Where hope is lost and there is pain and suffering, there's anger and animosity, and there is divorce, and there's brokenness, and there's sin and sexual desires, and there's lust, and there's, you know, alcohol and addictive habits that are ruining our lives, and there are people that are angry and depressed and anxiety, and so many, I've heard of so many teenagers that are struggling with big issues of depression or, or dealing with cutting or turning to things other than the Lord for their hope. And so I thought, man, we're going to kick off the Christmas season. We're going we're to address this if this is what it's really about. And we remember at Christmas Eve that we call him Emmanuel, that God is with us because the presence of the Lord is now with us. And whatever we're facing, we are no longer alone again. We have hope. But I thought, Sometimes we miss out on what the world is really like when all we do is talk about the birth and we don't talk about the anticipation of that birth. Do you realize for hundreds of years they had been waiting for that birth, waiting for the Messiah to come? We're going to look at next weekend, Matthew 1, the first 14 verses. God had a plan. He knew all along when this was going to occur. He did it when the Roman Empire had roads so that the good news could spread quickly because He wanted everybody to hear the good news that was happening. That this weary world doesn't have to be this way, we have a choice. And so we're going to go to that famous Christmas passage that we often study in December, December, Lamentations chapter 3. You ready to study this? Turn your Bible, power it on, turn the one in your book rack, or look at the screen, Lamentations chapter 3. Because you think you're having trouble in uh, your life right now? Imagine you're Jeremiah the prophet. He was told to bring this news about what was going to occur if they don't turn to the Lord. And they don't listen to him. And so in 586 BC, Jerusalem falls to the Babylonians. They destroy everything. And he writes these verses as he laments. He's sad. He cries out to the Lord over what has occurred. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 20. Well, remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Jeremiah writes... Yet this I call to my mind, and therefore, I have hope. Guy's lost everything. This isn't like first world problems, like the Wi-Fi's out. Right? Like, he's lost everything. They are oppressed and enslaved by the Babylonians. And he says, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That his compassions for you are new every morning. Another 24 hours opens up new opportunities for the hope of God into your life. You ever seen a beautiful sunrise? No one has ever seen the sunrise. It's weird. That's kind of... Right. Yeah, you've seen it, right? And it, whether you're in the mountains or you're at the beach or you're in the farm country of Indiana or you're in the city, when you see that sunrise, it can create this beautiful, because it's a new day. Everything could be different this day. It says that the hope for us, that they are new every morning, his compassion is new for us, great is his faithfulness. Verse 24, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. He says it's good to wait for the salvation of the Lord. We're going to break that down in a moment. But he's talking about that one day when the Messiah will come, which is what we're celebrating at Christmas time. So why not talk about what was happening hundreds of years before when society wasn't so hot? And they're going, God, where are you? We've lost all hope. And they're talking about the coming of salvation that's going to come through Jesus. What I want to tell you today, just as the song uh, Ryan sang says... And just as we read in this verse, that today, today could be a new and glorious morning. Do you believe that? Because some of you are in the thick of some stuff right now. And today, if the gospel is true, the news of scripture is true, could be a new and glorious morning morning. I want to break down just a few of these verses in Lamentations 3. Here's what a new day with Christ brings. We all track in number one, it brings exactly what you need today. It brings exactly what you need today. Not what you want today. Because I want a man today. I want a woman today, right? Like some of you that have been dating and you're looking for that person. I just, I want this. Some of you are like, I want the job that I've been longing for. I want this financial breakthrough. I want... I want to talk about what you need today. What is it that the Holy Spirit of God that is present with you, if he's going to bring hope into your life that you need today? See, this verse of uh, 24 in Lamentations 3, it said, uh, he wrote, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. We don't talk like that. What does that mean? The Lord is my portion. You ever said a phrase like that in your entire life? So what's he talking about? The Lord is my portion. You know, scholars debate this, but I believe it's most likely it's a reference in the Old Testament during the 40 years they were in the wilderness as nomadic people, when God would provide their daily sustenance, their portion, when they would wake up in the morning and there'd be these little pop tarts all over the ground every morning. Different kinds, flavors. It's manna, which means what is it? And it's this little flaky thing that God would give them food when they were in the desert to live off of. And they would get enough for that day and whatever wasn't eaten would rot. So that they understood they got their daily portion from the Lord that they should turn to him for their physical sustenance. In this case, Jeremiah is using that to say your daily portion isn't just the physical sustenance, but what you spiritually need for him, that he is enough for you in your daily life. He's going to give you exactly what you need today. If you are weak, he will make you strong. If you have lost your way, he will help you find your way. If you are hurting, he could bring comfort. If you are downcast as he was, he could bring joy and hope. Maybe you've lost that hope why Jesus said that, you know, when he prays, give us this day our daily bread. Provide for us again today. What do you need his provision for today? He could give you exactly what you need. It's a new day. The sun has risen again. And I don't know what you've lost hope in, but he could provide it. Number two, if you're taking notes, a new day with Christ brings hope to the one who seeks him. Hope to the one who seeks him. Key part there is the one who seeks him. See that verse 25, it said the Lord is good to those who hope, whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. And if you look uh, in the Christmas story, you, you see uh, Joseph and Mary are willing to go to Bethlehem and seek what his plans are for their lives rather than their own plans. They're willing to give birth in the stable. You have the shepherds that they actually hear the angels and they go and seek him. You hear of the wise men that they will uh, seek out their intellectual questions and they will travel all the way uh, to Bethlehem and eventually make it there and get to see the baby after he is born and provide these gifts to worship him. But all of them, in order to encounter him, they had to seek him. He will bring hope to those who seek him. You know, I heard this uh, said um, by a pastor recently that uh, you can live 40 days without food you, he said eight days. I think you can live at least three or four days without water, but maybe as many as eight days without water. You can only live about four minutes without oxygen. But you might only live a few seconds without hope. It only takes a few seconds of not having hope to lose everything. I want to sit on this for a little bit, okay? Okay. And, and this, uh, I have heard in this last week alone, so many people, not even just one or two, so many people struggling with the weather changing, with anxiety and depression and loneliness and hurting and wondering where people are, where God is, turning to drugs or alcohol or turning to mutilating their own body or turning to other things. The very desires that the enemy has for us in a weary world to turn to hurting ourselves is what is happening to our young adults, to our families, to our teenage children, to our young kids. And it hits close to home sometimes. I I had a a friend of mine... um, Pastor Jared Wilson in Southern California, he was actually the first graphic designer of our church. He did it remotely. He was actually helping people struggling. um, And he he took his own life. And it just took one moment. A guy that loved the Lord, I mean, more than me, if I'm being honest. Like, the guy just loved the Lord. And one moment of losing hope. And everything changed. His wife has to raise the kids on her own. You know, if you're here and you're struggling and you're hurting today, if you forget everything else, if you remember the good news of Christmas is that you not only have hope, but you need to talk to someone today to seek out the third and final one, help. Help to those who wait patiently. Help to those who wait patiently. Lamentations 3:26 says it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. For those who wait for the Lord and turn and ask for help from others, it could be provided. But here's what happens, and I told you I want to sit in this for a second. Is, it's not just the, the issues that we have in our culture of anxiety, depression, or even suicide. That, that in our marriages today, the reason that we don't see help provided so often, we can go to all the counseling that we want. And I encourage you, go to great Christian counselors. If you can't afford it, we'll help pay for it. We want you to get the help. I believe in mental health issues and that you need to talk to somebody today. But let me, but hear this. If you don't first have hope You can go to all the counseling in the world, but if you don't have hope your marriage is going to get better, it's never going to get better. You can seek out all the help in the world, but if you don't have hope that the issues that you're facing could get better. They won't be transformed. If you're dealing with addictive habits, you need to go to to AA or or freedom ministry that we have here at the church. And we're seeing a ton of people get the help that they need. But if you don't start with the hope that you have, you will eventually give up and give in to this weary world that surrounds us. But there is a thrill of hope in our lifetime that because of the birth of Jesus, the power and the provision that Almighty God had when he created the world can actually live in and through you. And you're going to need to get counseling and physical help and all of those things, but you could begin with the hope of Jesus Christ in your life. I don't know about you. I get distracted. I I turn to my hope in other things. Some some of you uh, business people in the room, right, when the economy's good, like now we put our hope in the stock market. Everything's going to be great. It'll never be like it was. That doesn't always work out so well, does it? We put our hope in finding that spouse one day. If I just find him, I'll finally be happy. We put our hope in our spouse, in our children, that they're going to become like, you know, division one athletes and pro athletes because that happens all the time. And they're the ones, I know it. When they were six years old, I figured it out. We put our hope in financial things. We put our hope in our power and popularity. And so often those things fail us. Our own friendships fail us. Where does the Bible teach us to put our hope? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Here it is. For he who promised is faithful. That God promises us that he created you on purpose and for a purpose. And in the dark of the night, when you have lost hope, You need to hold on swervingly to the hope that you have in Jesus Christ, that he was born into the world, Emmanuel, God with us, that you are never alone in whatever you're facing. And we need to stop turning to sexual relationships, drugs and alcohol, to hurting our own bodies, and believe that the God that created us is with us in our pain and our suffering. That's the heart of the Christmas message, that you have hope with whatever you're facing. But if you just wait A new day, a new 24 hours could change everything. My friend Jared, man, I just wonder what would happen if just waited one more few hours, got through the night, got to that next morning. I know what it's like to lose hope. I didn't struggle with some of the depressive issues that Jared felt. and I I take those things very seriously for anything that you need to seek help. We don't just pray and those things are gone. And by the way, pastors aren't always the best thing to provide those. There are people who are trained at helping you and equipping you to be transformed in those areas. But what I want to encourage you with today is that when you begin with the hope that you have in Christ, you can begin to th- think things will look differently. But sometimes you got to wait that the next day something could be different. Let me give you some examples in the Bible. Lazarus, you remember him? Guy was dead for Four days! Four days! He's been, his body has been decomposing in the tomb. Jesus shows up, everybody's crying. The women are like, Jesus, where were you? I thought you loved us. Jesus walks into the tomb. You know how it describes the tomb? It says it stinks. I love the King James. It says it stinketh in there. And some of our lives right now, it stinketh, doesn't it? But Jesus walks in after four days. They waited one more moment. He walks in, Lazarus walks out with him. The woman that couldn't stop bleeding all those years waiting for that one moment of the touch from the Lord and it all stops. The guy who couldn't walk for all those years, one moment at that pool and one touch and he is healed and everything changes. We're not guaranteed physical uh, you know, healing. We're not guaranteed every desire that we want, but he will be your daily portion and give you what you need. He will give hope to those who seek him. And I am telling you, help is waiting around the corner for those who trust in the Lord and wait patiently on him. And as we close out our time together I want to read this verse and say one more thing for some of us today we just need to get through the night and wait for the new and glorious morning the hope that can happen with one more day with the Lord as we invite him in Romans 13 11 to 12 the hour has come for you and I to wake up from our slumber because our salvation is near now than when we first believed Jesus is closer to returning than when we first believed the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. One day, Jesus will return, and he will put the world right. And Revelation tells us that there will be no more tears, no more death, no more pain, no more suffering, no more addictive habits, no more struggles, no more anger. Everything will be changed. But until that day, because of the work of Jesus, We can get glimpses of it today because the Spirit of God intercedes on our behalf in our life that heaven has come down, as we sang about earlier. But it takes us giving him our whole soul, our whole heart, surrendering our lives over to him, inviting him into our pain and our suffering and our brokenness. Could you do that? Some of you have been Christians for decades, but you're going through a dark night of the soul right now where you just need the hope of Jesus all over again in a fresh way. And that divorce has totally rocked your life and you have given up and I want to tell you, you need to hear this. God is with you today. And he's calling you to restore the hope that you have lost in your life. And some of you, you have turned to things that are unhealthy for you in your body. And you know you have. And he's calling you to return to the hope. The one true thing that will you need to hold unswervingly to. That he can come into your life and transform things. And then some of us today, like the writer of Oh Holy Night, that song. You, you know the story. But you haven't surrendered over to him. You haven't given your life over to him. And I want to encourage you, do not wait another moment. Don't put your hope in the things of this weary world receive the thrill of hope in your life because of the birth of Jesus Christ and become the person he created you to be. That you are meant for more than a 9 to 5 job. That you are meant for more than just living through the get to the weekend and have some good times in this life and hopefully you have enough good times that it outweighs the bad times before you die. You were created on purpose for a purpose to be transformed and renewed in your mind so that you could go out and transform this hurting world around us. That the thrill of hope just begins in you and then it pours out into everyone else in your sphere of influence. And this time of year when culture is actually on our side as christians we could see hundreds or thousands of people come to christ in the next few weeks and we just received his grace and forgiveness in a way that it overflowed into other people in our lives that's my hope for us as a church during this time will you pray with me god we, we thank you that you're god and we're not because we live in a broken world and we need your hope not our own And for some of us as Christians right now, we're going through a tough time and we need to be honest about that. There's no embarrassment or shame, but we're going to receive your hope and we're going to seek help this morning. If that's you in the room, I encourage you, pray this with me silently as I pray it out loud. God, I need you. I want to have your hope to restore my soul today. I'm going to talk to somebody to seek help in my life. Please, Lord Jesus, use me again. And then for some of us in the room, we've known about God, but we've never fully surrendered our life to Him. He he knows it. He's been seeing you when you walked in the door. He, He knew it when we were singing songs together. And guess what? He doesn't judge you. He loves you. He wants to welcome you home with open arms to receive His forgiveness in your life, to become the person you were created to be. If you would like to see salvation of the Lord today, I invite you in a moment to raise your hand and to profess, I am yours, Lord Jesus. On account of three, raise your hand if you want to surrender your full life to Jesus Christ. One, Jesus loves you. Two, he's got a plan for you. Three, he wants you to receive the forgiveness he has entrusted to you. I thank the two people down front here. I, I don't know, let's see, oh man, the, all the hands over to my left here, the four or five of you guys. And, and the Lord knows what's going on in your life. I see some more hands uh, hand there coming up. Help me guys see some of these in the, in the back as well. And, and keep it high really quickly because I want to pray something specific. I might make you do anything else though, but I want you to not question whether you did this in this moment, okay. Go ahead and put your hands down. Uh, those online right now in the quietness of your room, I want you to raise your hand. Ready? Raise it nice and high right now. And all those who have done that, I will, God, I pray and I thank you that these are honest people in a weary world that is seeking that are seeking your hope, your salvation. And so, right now, pray this with me. If you raised your hand, pray this with me silently as I pray it out loud. God, I gotta confess, I need you. Forgive me for my wrongdoing and trying to do my life on my own. I don't want to be weary anymore. I receive your grace and forgiveness. I repent of my old life and I surrender my life fully to you. Give me hope this day to become the person you created me to be. We love you, Jesus, and we give you our lives. We
1: pray this in your name and all God's family said, amen.